This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. You got your Bible, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 8. Now, if you've been with us since the start of the year, we talked about faith. And we went on that for I don't know how many months. And we've been on the Holy Spirit now. I think this is probably your seventh or eighth week. And I, I believe it's very important that we understand the Holy Spirit. That we may know about the Holy Spirit in theory. But how many of us actually experience the Holy Spirit like Jesus talks about? Jesus said this. He said, it, it's to your advantage that I go away. Your advantage. Because he said, if I don't go away, I'm not going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, Two weeks ago, we talked about the different baptisms. If you were here, there was three of them. You may remember that. You can catch online and listen on iTunes to those. But the three different baptisms, the first one was the baptism of salvation. That's found in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. And when we get born again, it specifically says the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body. The second one he talked about was found in in Matthew 28. And in, in Matthew 28... He talked about uh, to be water baptized. We did that last week. Actually, it's Matthew 28, verse 19. And remember, the Lord Jesus said to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, that's what represents the Trinity. When you hear the word Trinity within the church, that's talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we talked about the baptism of salvation, water baptism, But the last one we talked about was found in Matthew 3, verse 11. And it says specifically that Jesus himself will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, think about fire in this sense. That fire will will either cause the good to come to light or it'll burn up all the junk in your life. And, And in my life, I said this. That when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, man, it was like the Lord, he, he had a big old flamethrower at me. And it just began to burn up a lot of the junk in my life. And he'll do the same for you and me. And then we jumped over to, to 1 John chapter 5, verse 8. And it said that there are three that bear witness on earth. The three that bear witness on earth was water baptism. It says the blood which represents salvation. And the Holy Spirit. And so tonight I I want you to begin to see in these these passages of scripture we're going to go to. You will see the baptism of salvation. You will see the baptism of water. And you will see the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's intertwined throughout the Bible. So we begin in Acts chapter 8 verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to them. Now listen, Philip was a non-apostle like the man Stephen. They weren't apostles. But just because we weren't apostles doesn't mean we can't speak the word and experience the things of God. And so if you'll note in there the two things that Philip did. Number one, he preached the word and he preached Jesus. That's what every one of us need right there. We need to hear the word of God and we need to be taught about Jesus. So this is what Philip's doing. Verse 6. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now understand this about miracles. Miracles don't bring salvation, okay? 
But miracles do attract people to the things of God. And so we can still believe for miracles to this day. Verse 7. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed. And many who were paralyzed and lame, they were healed. Now I want you to stop just for a second there. Just with what he said in that passage is literally the same stuff that we're referenced to do as believers in Mark 16. Starting in in verse 15 of Mark 16, he said, And these signs will follow those who believe that you'll preach the gospel. What did Philip do? He preached the gospel. Then in the rest of that passage, it says, You'll lay hands on the sick in Jesus' name, and they'll recover. And then he said, You'll cast out devils. Now, if you'll look right there, these are the things that he's talking about over and over again. The same thing. And again, this is the heartbeat of the gospel. Save, to heal, and to set people free. Verse 8. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery or magic in the city. And he astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Now, two things that jump out there to me that that I believe we need to hit on. First of all, he astonished the people with magic. Oftentimes, we view magic as something that's harmless and innocent. Can I tell you something? It's not. It's not, okay? Don't play around with that stuff and don't allow your children to play around with that stuff. And I don't care if it's cartoons on Saturday morning. I'm going to tell you, that stuff will mess you up. It's real. It's so real that the magic that he did, it astonished the people. And then, this guy who's better known as Simon the Sorcerer, he starts thinking he's pretty powerful and pretty important. And he likened himself that unto the God. You can always guarantee this. That any time a person gets over in pride and doesn't give God the glory, you better get ready with them. And that's what takes place with here. So he astonishes them. And he claims that he was someone great. To whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries or magic for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Now, do you see two things right there? They believed when they heard Philip preach. So the first thing you see is they get born again. They believed in what he preached. And then right there in that verse, you see the second baptism, the baptism of water. So you see both of those take place. In people, humans just like me and you. Now watch what happens here, verse 13. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Now this is powerful to me. This dude who was doing all these magic tricks, he begins to see Philip preaching the word, and he said, and I don't know what that dude's got, but i got to have it. And he gets born again, and he keeps hanging out with Philip. Now watch what happens, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now this is interesting that that the people of Samaria 
They get born again and they get water baptized. But they send Peter and John to them. As if getting born again and water baptism wasn't enough. So if they sent Peter and John to them, what did they send Peter and John to them for? Verse 15. Who when they, Peter and John, had come down, prayed for them, the ones that just got born and water baptized, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now don't you believe sometimes you've heard people say this? That once you get saved and water baptized, that's all the Holy Spirit you'll ever need. Now if that was the case, then why did Peter and John show up and pray for them that they may receive the Holy Spirit? Because I believe Peter and John knew how essential it was for believers not only to be saved and water baptized, but to be filled with the Spirit of God. They begin to look and say, listen, we've got to get them filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep reading. For as yet he, the Holy Spirit, had fallen upon none of them. Now watch this. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what you begin to see here is in this passage, you see all three baptisms. Every one of them. Salvation, water baptism, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Verse 17. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Is it biblical to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit? What did we just read? Yeah, it was. And so I will tell you that I believe in that. I believe that that happens right there. Uh, the only prerequisite that I can find to being filled with the Holy Spirit is you've got to be born again. Now, you're going to see that unfold tonight. But we don't stop there. So this is what takes place. Verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Now, the, the little bitty word in there that really jumps out to me is he saw. He saw. He saw something that intrigued him to the point where he offered money. Keep reading. Saying, give me this power also, now in Acts 1.8, it says that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power. And so right here, this guy named Simon, he sees people get born again and he says, I want some of that power. But he goes about it the wrong way. Keep reading. Give me this power that anyone whom I may lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. Can't. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Now, this is a, rewarding, a, a warning regarding any time that, that I tolerate or I embrace unforgiveness. This is what he's talking about. Now, keep going on. Verse 22, he said, Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. And so Peter discerns the root of his bondage. One of the key foremost points of deliverance is any time I have entrenched bondage in a believer's soul, oftentimes there's an act of unforgiveness. And unforgiveness can lead any one of us down paths we would never imagine that we could get. This is what happens to this guy right here. So he said, 
For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Now there's some lessons in that right there. Anytime that I get over into unforgiveness, it, it, it stops the things of God in my life. How many of you have ever been believing God for something and it just seems like every time you're praying, you're just hitting your head on the ceiling? That's happened to me numerous times. And anytime that happens, the Lord always brings me back and says, check your heart. You got unforgiveness in your heart? And you can have unforgiveness in your heart in the little bitty areas. Little bitty things. But if you'll let, let God deal with your heart, he'll change that area. Okay. In saying that, go with me to Acts 19. Acts chapter 19. I want you to see another one of these. Verse 1. You know, I, I will tell you this, that I, I didn't grow up in the church. So for 20 years of my life, I'm a sinner. I'm a good sinner. And, and when I get born again, man, I start hearing these things. I remember the first time I, talk, I heard him talk about the Holy Spirit, and I said, the Holy who? Who's he? What's he all about? And I realized this may be foreign to some of you, but let the Bible teach you, okay? Let the Bible fill you. Let the Word of God, let that, let that be what you embrace. Acts 19, verse 1, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and he finds some disciples, some that are born again. And he said to them, Boys, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We've not so much as heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. That's why I told you what I did. I, I didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. And oftentimes, there are people within the body of Christ who go to church for year after year after year. And this may be the church you grow up in, grew up in. I never even heard there was a Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to knock churches, okay? But again, I've got to be taught by the New Testament. So they said, we need not heard about the Holy Spirit. Keep watching. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John, in being baptized with the baptism of repentance, that salvation, you repent of your sins and you ask Jesus to come into your heart. So there's the first baptism right there. Now watch what he says. The baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Water baptized. They got water baptized there. That's the second one in verse 5. Watch what happens in verse 6. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. The third one. And they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. Now that really twists a lot of people. You get over on speaking in other tongues and prophesying. And once again, you'll hear me tell you this. That people a lot say, that's of the devil. That's not of the devil, okay? That's the manifestation that God blesses people with. And in Acts 2, the same manifestation took place. Over and over and over and over again. When people got filled with the Holy Spirit, you would see they would prophesy and speak with other tongues. Some of you say, Pastor, do you do that? Yes, I do. I do, guys. I, I pray. Here, here's a scripture I'm going to give you tonight. Ephesians 6.18. Apostle Paul said, you'll pray in your understanding and you'll pray with the Spirit. Okay? I do that. Romans 8.26.27 are great references to that. Sometimes you don't know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit does. Okay. Turn back to Acts 10. 
Acts chapter 10. You didn't know we were going to be all over the Bible, but we are. Acts 10. I'm going to start in verse 44. And let me tell you what happens here. There's, there's a man named Cornelius who was an Italian. He was a non-Jew. Within the, within the world, within the Bibles, there's two types of people. There's the Jew or the Gentile, okay? If you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile. And you say, no, I'm white. No, you're a Gentile. No, I'm Hispanic. No, you're a Gentile, okay? Let me just help you with that. So Cornelius sends for Peter. Peter goes to his house and gets Cornelius' whole family saved. They all get born again. That's where this is at. So we pick up in verse 44, Acts 10, 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, the Jews who believed they were astonished. And as many came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Two right there. They got saved. And they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now this time the order is a little different. Because watch what goes ahead and takes place. Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. If you'll know there, right there, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens again? They speak with tongues and they magnify God. If you'll note in your Bible, it said they magnified God. It didn't say they magnified the devil. Okay? That's just a little side note. Thank you for truth. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. Now I want you to catch that right there. In that passage right there, they get born again. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they get water baptized. The only prerequisite to get water baptized or baptized in the Holy Spirit, you got to be born again. But I, I, I saw that here just a few weeks ago. That it may look backwards, but it didn't matter. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, listen, boys, I think you ought to be water baptized. So they get water baptized. That's what takes place here. So you begin to see these patterns of things. So tonight I've been given words. You got to be born again. You got to be saved. I realize at times people don't understand that. Go to John chapter 3, and I want you to see this tonight. John chapter 3. Had a young guy a couple of weeks ago say to me, he said, Man, you really like to speak out of the Bible, don't you? I said, Dude, it's all I know. It's all I know. Thank God it's all I know. John 3. You'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. That's John 8. John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, now, this is where you find this biblically, okay? Some little literal Greek translations say, unless one is born from above. Watch what he says. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can't see it. You got to be born again. 
How do I get born again? Well, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you'll be born again. That's how you get born again, okay? So he tells Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Verse 4, Nicodemus said to them, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he in a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a great question, you know. That's not a stupid question. I mean, before you get born again, if someone said that to you, you'd think, well, am I going back into my mom's stomach for nine more months? That's not real possible. And so Jesus explains it not only to Nicodemus, but he helps us. Jesus answered and said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water, and the water right there signifies the breaking of a woman's water in the birth, but he says also, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now this is an interesting passage here, because he's talking about you get born again. If you'll look back at verse 3, he said, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Then in verse 5, he says, if you don't come from water and be baptized by the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Not just see, but you can't enter it. And so he's telling me and you, I believe this, that once you get saved, you start seeing how the overcoming life of someone that's born again looks like. I tell you, when I got born again, I started seeing huge changes in my life. And I saw, through Jesus, I can overcome things. But then he said that once you get born of water and of the Spirit, you'll be able to enter the kingdom of God. Many talk about the word that you'll walk in the things of God. So I believe, you know what Jesus was saying? Once you get water baptized, and once you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will start helping you walk out that life. He'll help you lead right into that life as a believer. I will tell you, I'm a first-hand experience of that. I, I've seen this happen to me, guys, numerous times, over and over and over and over again. I got one last passage I want to go tonight. Go way back into the, the Old Testament, into Genesis 17, actually at the start. Genesis 17, and let, let me just tell you this before I show you this video here. Actually, go ahead and show them that video. If you can dim those lights and show that. This is just a little, little, little brief thing here that'll help you. Let me tell you a story. Just when you think he isn't going to show up, he explodes onto the scene. The ancient Jews called him the Ruah. A strong, rushing wind, a breath of life. You know him as the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, or maybe the Holy Ghost. But let's clear this up right now. He's no ghost. Ghosts are dead, powerless. And oh, he's the furthest thing from dead or powerless. He was present in the beginning. And Jesus said when he left earth that it was better for him to go. Why? Because he had to be present in a new way. He had one coming after him, a counselor, a comforter, the presence. Just when you think he isn't going to show up, he explodes onto the scene. 
And now, here we are. Here we sit in a world of pain, of loneliness, of people looking for a purpose. Does the Ruah still churn throughout the nations? Does the Ruah still yet breathe? Is it possible that we too can have the same presence in us that raises cowards from hiding, boys to thrones and dead bones to life? Can we have this power? The power of the presence. Okay, if, if you caught what he said, he said the ancient Jews referenced the Holy Spirit as the Ruah. So go with me to uh, Genesis 17. And let, let me just fill in the blank here just a little bit to show you where we're at in this. There was a man named Abram. And God wanted to use him in an incredible way. And God told him, Abram, you got to get out of your country. You got to get away from your family. And you got to get out of your father's house. Why? Those things that were in his life at that time were literally destroying him. When you look at what God was telling him to do, people and things were destroying him. I will tell you this, there's times you gotta, you got to obey God in these areas. Sometimes you have family members, sometimes you have friends that literally will pull you down here. It's not to be ugly. So in this situation, God tells him to get away, to move away. Now, Abraham could have rejected all that, but he didn't. He obeyed God. So we pick up in Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and you will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant was with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. And this, this, is, this is why I showed you this video a minute ago. That if you'll note there, when God changes his name, the name Abraham literally meant the father of many nations. But when God changed his name, the, the letters that he added to Abram was he, he added a letter A and the letter H. In the Hebrew alphabet, there's 22 letters. They're all consonants. There's no vowels. The letter H in the Hebrew language means the Ruah. It means the Ruah. So when I begin to see that, this was the thought that came to me, that God said to him, Abraham with the H, the Ruah in you, you'll never accomplish what I desire for you to be without the Holy Spirit, without the Ruah. Look in the same chapter, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, 
As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. You know what God does right there? He drops the I and he adds the H. The Ruah in both of them. And understand that. I believe that was a part of God saying. You'll fulfill that covenant. That I've asked to have with you. Because you're going to be filled with the Ruah. And I believe that's the same for every one of us. And I don't mean this negative. But you'll never accomplish the things of God in your life. Without the Ruah. I believe that with all my heart. And I can go back and I can show you not to be religious or act like I got this great theology. But when you study Jesus' life himself, when Jesus walked this earth, he walked as a man. He didn't walk in the deity as the Son of God. He walked as the Son of Man. And, And in Acts 10, 38, it said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. The reason I tell you that, Jesus would have never accomplished what he did on this earth as the Son of Man without the Ruah. If the Holy Spirit was that significant with Jesus, and Abraham, and Sarah, what about me and you? What about me and you? And I understand this may be very foreign to each one of us in here. But it's something that we've got to continue to study. And I'll tell you, I'm I'm in bad shape without the Holy Spirit. Bad shape. I'm just going to tell you that. If you ever get around me on Sunday mornings, especially right here before I'll speak, I will start petitioning the Holy Spirit in incredible ways. I mean stuff like this. I need you to die. I've got to have you today. You know why? Because I don't want to make a mistake with the scriptures. I don't don't want to, to not be accurate. I want the word of God to be relevant. I want the word of God to be simple. And that's the Holy Spirit. And this happened to me just a few weeks ago that I I say, Holy Spirit, I, I yield my heart. I yield my voice. I yield my thoughts to you. Speak to me. Help me present the Word of God with, with simplicity and accuracy. And I'm standing right here, and this lady walks by, and you may be here, whichever one of you did. She walked by me that Sunday morning, and she said, Oh, Pastor, that was so clear. And she said, I don't want this to hurt your feelings, but that was really simple. And you know what I did? I was like, yes, yes. And you know what I said to her? That may be the greatest compliment you can give me right there. Because it doesn't doesn't do us no good if we don't understand. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.